Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this series, we're focusing on three words right in the middle of this great commission. Therefore, go make disciples. Make disciples is one word in the Greek. That's why I say three words. Make disciples of all nations. This is Matthew 28. Do you ever feel like you're always going, but you're not quite sure you're actually getting anywhere? That's like the motto of life in the Bay Area. I feel like we live in the fastest place in the world in terms of how fast we have to go, and yet how fast our heart races when we're stuck in traffic and can't go anywhere, right? It's, it's busy, it's expensive, the pace of life is crazy. Many of us are working multiple jobs to pay the thousands of rent on our 400-square-foot studio, right? It's a, this is the world we live in. We go and go and go and go and go. Some of us go from place to place to place to place to place. You feel like you're just driving everywhere, right? Whether it's for work or it's the minivan or whatever it is, you're just going constantly. Some of you work from home, but you feel like you're always going. You just got this to do and that to do, and the emails are coming and the texts are coming in. They never stop flooding, and there's never a moment that you get to rest from all your going. And so you're going and going and going. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, many of us are like, yeah, go check. I'm going. But sometimes we wonder, as I'm going, am I really accomplishing anything? Am I really making disciples? And if God has put you on this planet for a mission, and that mission is to make disciples, to do your part, to bring the gospel to the Bay Area and the ends of the earth, the question is, how well are you doing at the one mission God has placed you on this world, in this world to fulfill? There's a conviction that comes when we realize that we're going, but we're not sure if we're producing much as we go. I told you last week I had an opportunity over the New Year's break to spend some time with some pastors and church planters in Sri Lanka and Thailand. And when we were in Thailand, we got to fly in about 120 church planters and pastors from mainland China China, who are just going for Jesus all over the country. We sat with one of the movement leaders that oversees all of our work in China and and he was explaining to us that the people who were coming, and he said, you need to understand that China is a crazy place. There are people everywhere. He said, the Christian church is completely underground and persecuted, and yet it's growing. He said, the movements that we support at our church represent 60 million believers in an underground network of churches all throughout mainland China. 60 million believers. And so he said, these pastors that are coming over to, to get training and to meet you guys and all that... These pastors are representing church planting movements of anywhere from a few hundred to a few million believers under their spiritual care. And so they're hungry for anything you can give them. And I'm thinking, like, what are we going to be able to give people who are overseeing churches of millions of people? This is humbling. And then we started hearing the story of these men and women who were just going for Jesus. The, the humbling <laughs> continued. The, the first woman we talked to, 
said that she was 19 years old when God called her to go and leave her village, leave her family, and move into rural China and do some ministry there. And so she finished up her training and she went. She said, we got there and we expected, me and my, my friend, we're going to spend 60 days or so. I think she said, maybe she said four to six weeks doing ministry in this new place, meeting people, sharing the gospel. But once we got there, the police got wind of the fact that we were doing Christian work in this village and they weren't too happy about it. So she said, after just two weeks of ministry in this rural location, her words were, we were rewarded by the Lord with 60 days of imprisonment for our faithful ministry. She was thrown in prison, shackled up, all that, tortured. And, and I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's them trying to stop what God was trying to push the go button on in her. She said, you know, it was crazy. While we were in prison for the 60 days, we had the privilege of leading 30 people to Christ, including all of the prison guards. So they all get saved, they release her. This is like the book of Acts. If you want to just skip reading 28 chapters, just fly to China, interview mainland China, Chinese church planners. And she said, they released us from prison. We went to a new place and did it again. Right? They're going, 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 right? And I'm thinking, oh, I get it. I'm going too, right? I go to Walgreens. I go, I'm not going anywhere substantial. I'm not going to prison. I'm not going into new villages. I'm not bringing the gospel as a pioneer into a new unreached place. I'm just going down the street in my minivan full with kids. What's wrong with my life? Jesus says, go and make disciples. It's interesting, as you, as you look at the history of the Christian church, there are a few people that God has called in amazing ways to pioneer new efforts to go across the seas, to go across their country, to go far away and do amazing pioneering work of missionary service, right? That's, that's the exception, though, not the norm. Most of the people, right, of the 60 million believers in the church planting networks in China, most of them are not called to pioneer. Most of them are called to stay in the churches where they were called and do ministry in their cities. And I think the same thing is true for us, right? Some of you may have been called to go, and if that's you, you're probably disobedient. You should go, right? But for most of us, the reason you're here in the Bay Area paying what you're paying to live here is because you haven't yet been released by the Lord to leave this place and move to somewhere cheaper. Or the reason you're here, we say this all the time, is because God has put you here on purpose. You might feel called to the East Bay as a unique strategic location to bring the presence of Jesus into your place. Maybe you feel called to do ministry to your family, and so you can't leave them and move to Sacramento where it's cheaper, or Idaho, or just keep going north and find a place, right? You, just, you can't leave because you can't leave the people to whom God has called you to serve. So maybe you feel called to your workplace and the ministry that God has placed you there, and that is a true calling, and God has called you to go and make disciples, even though he hasn't called you to leave and go anywhere. I think we naturally read the Great Commission and we picture a bunch of people leaving and going to faraway places. But if that's not you, if you're not called to go overseas, how do you partner with the Great Commission work here? Now, the question I want to ask, we'll put it on the screen as we look at this text this morning, is how can you participate in the Great Commission if God hasn't called you to go anywhere? Are you still called to go and make disciples if God has said, hey, but you though, I want you to stay? Stay in that house, stay in that job, stay in that family, stay in that place, stay in the East Bay, stay in your city, stay in San Leandro, stay in that school, stay at Mount Eden, right? Stay where you are, don't go anywhere. You're not off the hook for the Great Commission. But what does it look like for someone to go who has been called to stay? 
I've been thinking a lot about this going aspect as I've studied this text, and so I, I did like a sociological experiment on myself. I, have you ever heard of Jane Goodall, how she would like track chimps moving out throughout the jungle? I tracked myself like I was a chimpanzee or whatever kind of large ape that she would follow. And I started tracking my movements to see if God has called me to go, where has he called me to go? And so last Sunday when I left church, I started tracking my movement, and this is just what things, the kind of thing that I do. And I wrote down everywhere that I went between the time that I left this stage last Sunday and the time when I turned in my sermon to our programming team at like 4 a.m. Thursday morning. Different story. So this is the migratory pattern of your pastor, Danny Strange. I was at church, and then I went home. I left my home, and I picked up some dinner for my family. I was foraging for food. That's what I was doing. <laughs> then I went to Chase. That's where I bank, just so you know. After Chase, I went to Walgreens, and I went home. I went to bed. Then I got up. Then I went to the gym. Then I went home. Then I took my kids to school. Then I went back to the church. Then I left the church and I met my wife for lunch. Then I came back to church. Then I went down to the middle school and I picked up my son and some of his friends. And I drove him home, then him home. Then I came to my home. Then I went to bed. Then I woke up. Then I went to the church and played basketball. Then I came home. Then I went to the kids' school, dropped him off. Then I went on a prayer walk. And then I came up to the church. Then I met someone for lunch. Then I came back to the church. Then I went back to my house. Then I went to bed. Then I woke up. Then I went to the gym. Then I came home. Then I went to my kids' school. Then I went to San Ramon to go study to get out of town. Then I got sick of studying uh, and wanted a break, and so I took a walk and started praying, and I ended up at Costco. I got some free samples, which was great. <laughs> then I walked back to where I was studying in San Ramon, and then I went to the UPS store when I got off of work, and then I went to Sports Basement, just so you know. I met a buddy at a driving range, then we had dinner, went out, then I went home, then I woke up and played basketball, came home, and I went to my kid's school, and that was, I think that was Thursday morning, right? I went. But I kind of feel like if you, if you are to track out like your movement over a few days of period, you get to see like, okay, this is my mission field. This is where God has called me to go. And as I looked at that, I thought, huh, this doesn't seem like a very spiritual Google Maps experiment. <laughs> I kept thinking of the words of Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to Walgreens and make disciples, right? Is that really? Is that really what Jesus is saying? Go to Chase Bank and make disciples. Hey, go to the Habit and make disciples. Hey, drive out in your car and make disciples, right? It's like, man, that's not a very exciting going that I'm living as I go. I turned my attention and study. I didn't spend my week studying myself. I primarily studied the Bible. And so I, I turned to the book of Acts and said, okay, I want to do the same thing with the apostles, Right, because these 11, Judas was gone at this point, these 11 were standing with Jesus on the mountain when he looked at them in the eye and said, you go and make disciples of all nations. Go. And then the book of Acts begins and he reiterates it. He says, he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, you 11, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Go. So I thought, okay, I'm going to track these guys, right? Like put a little GPS dot on each of these 11 disciples. Say, where did they go from there, right? Maybe, I don't think they went to Walgreens. Where did they go? It was interesting. I've never seen this before. The book of Acts charts how the gospel got from Jerusalem out to Judea and Samaria and out to the ends of the earth. And we know that the apostle Paul, who wasn't one of the 11 disciples originally, gets called later to do the pioneering missionary work at the end of the book. So I start tracking the 11 guys to say, what was their part? When they heard Jesus say, go, where did they go? A lot of them went off the radar. I don't know where they went. I couldn't track them. 
But for the ones I could track, I noticed a common theme. None of them really went anywhere. Peter was known as the kind of senior pastor of the churches in Jerusalem. He was the head of the Jerusalem council. We see him travel a little bit outside of the city. He goes down to Joppa. He meets with Cornelius, and he comes back to Jerusalem. He's leading the council there. He meets with Paul, and Paul comes down to Jerusalem. He's kind of like the hub of the Christian church, but he he doesn't really go on mission. He stays in ministry in the epicenter in Jerusalem. We see John early in the book of Acts. He hangs out with Peter a lot. They go to the temple in Jerusalem. They pray together. They heal people. They have amazing ministry. They go to prison together in Jerusalem. And they're sticking around just that little hub of the center of town. James. James is in Jerusalem. He's doing a lot of work there in that capital city of, of the first start of the Christian movement. And he's kind of a main character there. At some point, there's persecution. And Luke tells us that James goes to another place. But we don't know where that is. He doesn't tell us. And then all of a sudden in Acts 21, James is back in Jerusalem and he's back at the home base and he's going nowhere. He's here in Jerusalem. The only of the 11 disciples, the only one that I saw go anywhere in the book of Acts was Philip, who was heavily involved in the early church in Jerusalem. And then after the martyrdom of Stephen, he ends up moving down the road a little bit. He leads someone to Christ on the road, and he ends up in Samaria. He does some ministry in Samaria. So he breaks through the Jerusalem into the Judea and the Samaria world. But it was interesting to me that as I watched the movement of the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth in the book of Acts, none of the 11 men that were called to carry that work to its completion through that book were used to leave their city and go. You know, we know from church history that many of those disciples eventually ended up in the Mediterranean or in Africa or in Asia Minor or all over the place. They eventually, God moved them around and relocated them like he does for many of us. But I think one of the things that we need to understand as we think about the nature of how the Great Commission works is that most of us who are called to go and make disciples are called to go and make disciples right here where he's called us to live. But if the 11 disciples we're not disobedient, but obedient. A good example of God's Great Commission work, and part of the Great Commission is not just going somewhere, it's submitting to the Lord. Where does he want you to go? And if Jesus wants you in your workplace, that's where he's called you to fulfill the Great Commission. If Jesus wants you in your school, that's where he's called you to fulfill the Great Commission. It doesn't only count if you leave your city and go away, but most of us, are called to live out the mandate of the Great Commission right here where we live. I think it's important to know that. Now, I got back from Thailand, and, and I met up with my wife for lunch at a Thai restaurant. And I didn't, as I walked in, realize that I was about to go eat Thai food after eating Thai food for two weeks. I don't know why it didn't, like, cross my mind. But we walked into this Thai restaurant down the street from our house, and, and we had lunch. It's a good lunch. And, and afterwards, I go up to pay the bill. Here's another thing I didn't realize. I guess I eat at this restaurant all the time because the lady behind the counter said, Where have you been? been too long. I said, oh, I've, actually, I, I just realized it. I was in Thailand last week. She said, you were in Thailand? I'm like, yeah, I was in Bangkok. I went to Chiang Rai. She's like, oh, my gosh. And I've never talked to this lady before. But she starts, obviously, she tracks my movement patterns because she knows I haven't been in top Thai in a while. And then she starts telling me all about her country and how amazing it is and where I need to go next time. And then she starts taking me around the restaurant and saying, showing me, like, this golden Buddha, this reclining Buddha. Did you go there? Did you go to the Grand Palace? Start talking to me about the religion there. And, and I'm starting to realize that God may have sent me halfway around the world to improve the impact that I might have on a restaurant two blocks from my house, right? 
Like, man, God is like so passionate about equipping me to reach my specific neighbors that he sent me on a training tour on a 27-hour plane ride just to be equipped better to reach out to this person who lives a block from my house. Because God has called me primarily not to impact Thailand in Thailand, but if God wants me to impact the Thai community, he's probably called me to impact the Thai community right here in the East Bay. I think the same thing is true of you. Maybe God wants you to have an impact globally. He's going to have you have an impact globally primarily by your local expression of love, of Christian love and service. If God has called you to make disciples, he might send you on some missions trip across the world. But I guarantee you this. If God sends you on a mission trip across the world and you think you're going to go change a bunch of lives, you're going to come back like everyone else and you're going to come back and say, you know what? I thought God was sending me across the world to change someone's life, but he was sending me across the world to change my life through the people I encountered there. That always happens. Most, 99% of the Great Commission work you will experience in your life, personally, tangibly, one-on-one, will happen within the radius, the sphere of influence God has given you to traverse right here in the East Bay where he's called you to live. That's where he's placed you for his purposes. That's where he's placed you for his movement. That's where he's placed you strategically to do your work to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting right there at your house. In San Lorenzo, down in South Hayward, Castro Valley. That's where he's called you to go. The elephant in the room is really not about where do you live, because all of us know where we live. And all of us go, right? You might be thinking, like, I never leave my house. You're lying. You're here, right? You leave your house. <laughs> You've been called to live somewhere. You've been called to go somewhere. You, you traverse around the city, right? You can make the Google Maps and find out, like, okay, this is my migratory pattern. This is where God has called me to serve and minister. Great, right? Check the box. You've done it. But the elephant in the room is, okay, I go a lot of places, but I don't think I have a lot of impact as I go. Like, yeah, I go to the gym. But is the gym a better place because I'm in it, right? Or I'd be happy if I wasn't there, like, not using, knowing how to use the machines, right? Hey, yeah, I go to my kid's school, but I pick him up from the parking lot. Nobody even talks to me. Yeah, I go to the bank, but I hate it, right? Yeah, I go to the grocery store, but I'm angry or I'm listening to my podcast. How, how am I supposed to be affecting the world as I go? Am I really supposed to walk into Target and say, I'm here. <laughs> Who wants to know about Jesus Christ? Here I am. This is my mission field, right? Start handing out pamphlets everywhere you go, right? I hope not, right? I mean, if it works, great, do it. But I, I don't think that's what he's called you to do. And so many of us, we, we realize God's called me here. God's called me to this family. God's called me to this workplace. But at the same time, we wonder, well, how do I, how do I affect or even start to affect the community in which he's placed me for the great commission to which he's called me? I think to answer this question, we've got to look back at where Jesus started the Great Commission with the words that we brought out last week and even earlier today when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, make disciples. And then he says, and I will be with you always. I think the secret to knowing how to be effective in the world for Jesus is wrapped up in that concept. Because I think what Jesus is trying to help us to understand as we live life and traverse in this world is that wherever you go, you bring Jesus with you. That's just a truth, right? That's how it works. 
When you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwelled you, and now all of a sudden, Jesus says, I'll be with you wherever you go. And some of you are like, oh, I don't want Jesus to be with me wherever I go. Right? Well, too bad. He's going. He's like one of those friends who's like just sticking along. He's going to go with you. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't think Jesus would want to go to the types of places I go. It's like, well, stop doing that, right? But, if you're... but at the same time, if you're doing things that are fine, but you think Jesus is going to hate your friends or something, maybe Jesus wants to affect your friends through you. He's like, I'm coming with you. He says, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and I'm coming. Right? And so I think a huge part we need to understand before we start talking about how to have gospel conversations is the very fact that you're stepping foot in a place means that Jesus Christ is also stepping foot in that place. Does that make sense? And this is what Jesus talked about all throughout the New Testament. When he's talking about the identity that his followers have, he says, you're the salt of the earth. And what he means by that is just by your very presence in this place, you preserve it in some way. Right? You want to know how to make salt, make your food salty? You just stick it in there. That's all you got to do. Right? There's no magic spell you got to cast on the salt. There's no like, special chemical. You, have to, you throw salt on your food, now your food is salty. And in the same way, you throw Christ into your life, and now your life is Christy. I, don't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> and you put yourself on your kid's campus, all of a sudden Jesus is entering your kid's campus. You put yourself on your school campus, Christ is entering your school campus. You walk in the doors of your workplace, Jesus is walking in the doors of your workplace. I know you don't think you're Jesus. Good, you're not. He is, and he's with you wherever you go. Amen. Even when Jesus turns the corner and says, you're the light of the world. I mean, okay, now i got to open my mouth and share the gospel. He's not even there yet. He says, you're the light of the world, but don't put it under a bowl. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is drawing out the identity of a disciple. He says, a disciple is someone that wherever they go, they make it better and preserve it because my presence goes with them. A disciple is one that when they live life on mission, people see that their life has been transformed because I am in them and something changes in their minds. It's just your very presence in this world is impacting the world because Jesus is involved in your very presence on this earth. And so it is actually true that when you walk into Walgreens, Jesus walks into Walgreens. It's interesting, Jesus has this really weird phrase that really doesn't really make sense until you think about this concept where he tells the disciples that after I leave, he says, it's good that I'm leaving you because you'll do even greater things than I did. And I always think, well, is that true? Right? Am I going to like double raise someone from the dead? Am I going to like water ski on water? Like, what? How am I going to do cooler things or better things than Jesus? He doesn't say that. He says greater things, more things. I think one of the things that we need to understand is that, that when Jesus stepped onto planet Earth, it was an unbelievable event in world history. Right? The God of the universe, who has always existed as Father, Son, and Spirit, when Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among us, it's like this invisible God, this transcendent God, this intangible God stepped into our planet. That's why John says he, he, it's almost like he moved into the neighborhood. He put on flesh. He moved into a house right down the street. God was here with us. He says in 1 John chapter 1 that what he proclaims, he saw it with his own eyes and he touched it, he smelled it. He experienced Jesus because God himself came to this planet tangibly and it was amazing. But the one limit to the amazingness of Jesus was that Jesus Christ as he walked this earth could only be in one place at one time. Right? We know that God is omnipresent. God has always been omnipresent. But in the person of Jesus, Jesus couldn't heal a leper 
in Galilee and raised him from the dead in Jerusalem simultaneously. There was one Jesus in one place at one time. And yet when the Spirit comes, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit who has coexisted with Father and Son since eternity past, the same Spirit who is co-equal with Father and Son and who has all the authority and all of the power of the Godhead with him, that same Spirit indwells in you. And now you get to be a mini-Jesus at your workplace as someone in China gets to be a mini-Jesus in a rural setting, as someone in Europe gets to be a mini-Jesus in their context. And Jesus' presence is just as tangible as when he walked the earth, but now it's omnipresent as his presence starts growing around the globe. God's plan for the universe, God's plan for our planet is that his presence and his glory and his kingdom would spread in every crack and crevice and cul-de-sac on planet earth. That, that you would be his outpost on the street in which you live. So if you're wondering, is the presence of God on my street? Yes, he lives in your house, in your body. That's where he is. And so he's placed you there because he wants to impact the world around you through the presence that he puts into your life. Now, some of you may have already experienced this. Because you've been thinking about how to share the gospel with someone or invite someone to church or whatever it is. And, and then in some moment, they had a hard time and they came to you and they said, you know what, I want to talk to you about this because I, I've noticed that you've gone through so much hard stuff, but you always seem so happy, like you're different than everyone else. You've got this hope that other people don't have. What is it about you? And you thought, man, this is actually kind of easy. I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. And the reason they saw that is because the reason that Jesus put you in that workplace is so that he would step into that workplace and show himself to the people around you. you know, one of the beautiful things about this concept is that if you want to write this down, you can, is that when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission, or even participating in it, moving intentionally throughout a lost world is half the battle. Right? Moving intentionally throughout the world in which God has placed you is half of the work. I don't mean like intentionally like mapping out where you're going to go for greatest gospel impact. That could be cool. That's not what I mean. What I mean is there's a huge difference between you going to Walgreens just like a normal person and you going to a Walgreens mindful that Jesus Christ is coming with you to Walgreens, right? It's different. It's different to get in the car and think, you know what? I don't want to run these errands, but I'm running them and I got to do it. And I got to trust that if I'm going to Safeway today, or I'm going to Albert, whatever you go, if I'm going to Target today, maybe Jesus wants to be in Target for some reason. So I'm going to keep my eyes open to why he might place me in this Target this afternoon. And you're going to see the world differently. So the Apostle Paul says, I no longer see the world through an earthly point of view. It's like everything's changed because of Jesus. You look around and you see people hurting and think, maybe God brought me to this location because he wants to put a touch of love on that person who's hurting through me. He's commissioning you. He's sending you. You're going all over the place to bring his presence wherever you go. Your assignment this week is to do nothing more than be mindful of the presence of Jesus with you as you go. If you realize whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, right? Whether you go to your school or your kid's school, whether you go to work or go home, whether you go to the gym or you work out, wherever you go, you're going there to bring Jesus there. And so start asking the Lord, why have you brought me to this place today? And who knows what God will do as you start looking at the world through these lenses? Who knows what, how it'll change your kind of anger about having to live in the place you live or the family you were brought up in or wherever you're at. You might realize, man, I'm here for a reason, God. 
fan into flames what you're doing here because I want to have an impact in this home. And so if I can just impact these people by being me and being you in me, I'm in. Surrender your life to Jesus. Recognize he's with you wherever you go. And so wherever you go, just be aware that he has sent you there on purpose. And he will be with you as you go. Now I pray for us. And then I want us to respond in some worship. So let's pray together.